talking tonight. Here's my title. I'll just give it to you because it's a long title. A Supernatural Community and a Personal Word. A Supernatural Community and a Personal Word. Are you excited? I'm excited. Okay, big word. Big word we're looking at tonight is the word prophecy. Let's say prophecy. Prophecy. Let's try that again. Everyone say prophecy. 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 Okay, Josh, can you turn on the stage lights, please? Thank you. And I got you running a million different directions. So we've been in this series on spiritual gifts. And our big point, the kind of main like thing that I'm going to drill in your head every week, and, we, and we've said this, is we want you to move from being spectators to being participants. So we have this tendency as Christians to come to church, and we treat it as this spectator sport, where I'm going to sit in the chair, and I'm going to kind of watch a service performed. And so I'm going to watch the worship team and listen to them. I might even clap. I might even kind of sway back and forth a little bit, do some air drums, whatever. And I'm going to, I'm going to just, I'm a spectator. I'm watching it and I'm going to enjoy the music and then I'll watch the game. Maybe I'll participate in the game, uh, but then the sermon's going to come and I'm going to listen to the sermon. I'm going to watch and I'm going to go home. And that's what we do every week. And the Bible says there's so much more for you than just that. So it's awesome that you're here. It's awesome that you are plugged in and, and watching messages and participating in worship. That's good. Right? We're not trying to say, don't show up, but we're trying to say, hey, there is more for you. Come and play. The invitation is to take the floaties off and move from the shallow end of the pool and come dive in deep. Use the gifts that God has given you. One of the things that we've consistently said is, is that uh, this is a place for you to participate, not, not just pay better attention, not just take better notes, not just sing louder, but to actually engage in ministry, to, to get off the bench and get into the game. You're called to participate. And if you're bored in your Christianity, if you're bored on a Wednesday night, this could be why. If you're bored on a Sunday morning, this could be why. Because you're coming and expecting, man, I need to get entertained. I, I, I better really enjoy the message. I better really enjoy the worship. And man, if Andrew misses that note, and, and if the singer's a little bit flat, man, I don't know if that was enjoyable. I don't know if I want to come back. And, and we are just spectators, but our invitation is move into being a participant. Move in and become an active participant in the ministry. So we talked about gifts that you have. God has given you gifts. God has given you things that he, he wants you to, to use to bless the church, to bless the other people in this room, to, to, to step up and step in. So real quick, one of the ways, that this is trademark teams, one of the ways that we are going to empower you and encourage you to step up and use your gifts, we're going to launch trademark teams. You're going to hear more about that over the next few weeks, but this is kind of your preview. The idea is, uh, if I were to come up to you and talk to you and say, hey, what are your gifts? How can you use them? Let's have a place for you to plug in and, and, and use your gifts to the glory of God. Use your gifts to bless other people in this room. Use your gifts to grow and expand the kingdom of God. And so we're going to have teams that you can serve on and be a part of. Maybe you just, you love people. You love talking. You're super social. Yeah, why don't you join our connections team? And as people are coming to trademark, say hi, greet them. I will never forget the first night I came, like three years ago now, Alexia Perez, one of our youth leaders, some of you know her, some of you don't. She had, she had a baby recently and now she's pregnant again and so she hasn't been able to come for a while. But she's one of our amazing youth leaders. The first week I was here, she greeted me at the door, got to know my name. And that was my first connection 
to trademark. And from then on, every time I came, she was always like the first person I said hi to. Cause it was like, man, I, I know that I'm welcome here. I know there's a spot here for me because someone greeted me, took the time to learn my name, took a chance to get to know me. That's an awesome way to use your gifts to the kingdom of God. Maybe your gift isn't talking to people and that makes you really freak out and clam up. There's other places for you to serve. Like maybe you're just like, I just want to serve. I just want to be useful. I don't necessarily want to talk to anyone, but I just want to be used. Hey, we have a spot for you. We need people to pass out Bibles and notes every week. We need people to run and grab toilet paper and run and make stuff happen. Maybe you need to join that. I don't have a good name for it beyond ushers because that's what we call it in the church world. And that feels like kind of a churchy term. So maybe we get a different term. I don't know. But there's a spot for you to use that gift of, hey, I just like to run around and do stuff. Okay, there's a spot for you. There's a spot for you. Maybe you're just gifted on social media. And like, I know some of you guys, you share some really funny stuff. Some of you guys create some really funny stuff or you create some really pretty and engaging, enjoyable content. We have a spot for you. Trademark social media. We're popping. We're getting stuff done. Stuff is looking good. Huge shout out to Josh and Ari who have been manning that and heading that up. That's been awesome. But hey, there's room for more people at that table. There's room for more of you to step up and use your gifts to the glory of God. So all of that is awesome. All of that is good. But there's another way that God says that you can use your gifts to his glory. There's another way that God has called all of you to participate in the ministry of, of the church. And these are spiritual gifts. So we've talked around this issue for the last three weeks. We've kind of built a framework. And now we're just going to dive in and talk about what are our spiritual gifts how do we use them? How do we operate in them? And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you a quick just list. And I'm calling this in my own head, the periodic table of gifts. And I'm just going to list real quick all the gifts that we have and like, a, what, are, what are they? How do you use them? And then we're going to spend the majority of our time talking about prophecy because that's the weird one and that's the fun one. Are you ready? Are you excited? Yeah. I'm excited. Who's nervous? Anyone a little bit nervous? A couple hands going up. A couple of you are a little nervous. Like, okay, what's going on here? Like, it's okay. Just breathe, stay with us. This is good. This is good stuff. So, gifts. 1 Corinthians 12 gives us this big long list. We talked about it week one. We talked about it week two. The list is the gift of wisdom, knowledge, faith, gifts of healings, miracles, prophecy, distinguishing of spirits, tongues, and interpretations. That's a long list, and that's kind of a weird list. When you think about weird things that happen in churches, these are usually the things that come to mind. When you think about some really wacky churches where people do crazy things, these can be the things that come to mind. And what we believe with all of our hearts, with all of my heart, I believe that these gifts are good. These gifts are not just wacky and weird. People have misunderstood them and misused them, and it's caused some problems. But these are good gifts that God gives to his church in order to build us up, encourage us, strengthen us, make us love each other better. So I'm just going to go through this list and quickly define all these things. This will go relatively quickly, so if you get lost, it's okay. We're just going gonna to keep moving. Uh, this isn't where I want to spend the majority of my time, but I just want to give it to you so we've kind of talked about it. And these will be conversations we continue to have. You can check out After the Fact on Instagram if you want more information. We'll dive a little more deeply. Shameless plug. All right, so God has gifts of wisdom and knowledge. What this is, is as the Lord is working and moving, He would reveal to someone's mind something that they didn't previously know. Just incredible wisdom. And I, and I know men and women of God who just have this incredible gift of wisdom. My grandpa is one. And like when you talk to this guy, he just like exudes and oozes out this stuff. And he'll like just say things. And it's like, where did you get that? Like 
you, you didn't read that in a book because that is exactly applicable to my situation. That's like the perfect advice. How'd you figure that out? And it's not because he's just smarter than everyone else, although he is. It's because, it's because God is working through him, giving him this gift of wisdom. There, there's other times when you get a gift of faith. And there are people who just, they believe and they trust God so deeply and so incredibly. And you look at them and it's like, man, I wish I could trust God like that. Like you pray for things and they just happen. And, and like these, you have these challenging situations and you're never in doubt. You're never worried. You, you just like, you know God's got this. And, and you pray for things that seem impossible and God does them. That's a gift of faith working in that person's life. Gifts of healings. A, a, at times, God just heals people. Like people are sick and then they're not sick anymore. Bones are broken and they're not anymore. Like, okay, God heals our bodies just through like, we, we naturally heal ourselves, right? I, I get a cut and over a few days that cut heals. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about, hey, I, I, I lay my hand on you. I pray and I say, God, heal this person and they're healed instantly. Like, that's incredible. That's a demonstration of God's power. That's a demonstration of God's love. And we believe this happens. We believe this is for today. and We believe this is for you to engage in. Really, this is for you when you have a friend or a family member who's struggling and suffering, that you'd have faith in you and say, man, I want to pray for that. God, would you heal this person because you love them and you care about them? They might not even be a Christian, but you love them still and you care about them still. Would you heal them and then see that happen? Now, it doesn't happen all the time. It doesn't happen every time. I don't know why sometimes People get healed and sometimes they don't. If someone knows, let me know because we can write a really good book and we can make a whole lot of money cracking that code because for 2,000 years, we ain't figured it out. But God is good. God is loving. And that love overflows at different times into gifts of healing for people. We believe in that, right? God is awesome. The gift of miracles. Like, these are just miraculous things that happen. So, like, it's happened to my parents one time. Like, they are struggling. They're in massive debt. They don't know how they're going to pay it off. And, like, the next day, they, so they pray, and they're like, Lord, we don't know how we're going to do this. we we got to get this money together. The next day, they get a call from someone. Hey, I'm giving you guys $10,000. Just out of the blue, it was enough to pay off the debt. That's a miracle, right? That, that's out of the ordinary. That doesn't normally happen. But this is a gift that God wants to give to his church. Something that God wants to see happen. Sometimes healings work like this, where it's like, man, you didn't have a leg, and I prayed, and the leg grew. And like, that's wild. That sounds like something you'd see on the dark side of TikTok that's like totally fake. But I'm telling you, this stuff happens. This stuff happens. And I know people who've seen this with their own eyes. They've seen God do this stuff. This is just incredible. Again, like, I, we need to spend like an hour talking about that because what is that? What's going on? And we just, we can't. I got to keep moving. Prophecy. We're going to wait for that. We're going to get to that. We're going to unpack this. Distinguishing of spirits. There's times where like, again, this is something I, I, I see my dad with this all the time. We're like, there's sometimes when there's like a book and like he can put his hand on the book and he knows whether it's a good book or not. Is that weird? But that's God working. And, that, and that's a gift that God wants to give the church. It's a gift that God, well, this isn't distinguishing of persons. This isn't looking at the person and saying, God's telling me you got something wrong with you, sister. That, that's not what this is. This isn't the spirit of criticism. This isn't the, this isn't the gift of judgment. But it's a gift that, that you can distinguish really easily good from evil. And in a day and age when good and evil get mixed so easily, 
when we, when we can so easily call good what is evil and call evil what is good, how important is this gift to the church that we'd be able to discern rightly good from evil, right from wrong? It's a powerful gift. And then finally, tongues and interpretation. Another fun, wacky, wild one. We're going to touch this this week. We can't do both in one week. We need a mind diaper. It'd be a mess. There'd be stuff all over the place. Like, we're just going to, we're going to save that one. But from time to time, God empowers people to speak in other languages that they didn't previously know. And that's incredible. I know there's tons of times when I've wished I'd been able to do that. Usually it's when I'm ordering at a Mexican restaurant. But, uh, besides the point, we're going to talk about that next week. Okay, here's our first point. We'll, we'll, we'll dive into this. The church has always been a supernatural community. The church has always been a supernatural community. This word supernatural just means more than natural, not ordinary, not normal. So you're like, that describes you, Adam. Not exactly that way of not normal. Supernatural, incredible things happening outside of the common, ordinary way of life. God is moving and working. When the people of God gather, it's not just for songs and games and Bible stories, but there's actually God there. Spirit of God moving in their midst. Spirit of God showing up, doing incredible things. God is moving in power and just changing people's lives in radical ways. And it is supernatural. I'll read you this quote from Andrew Wilson. He just describes the early church. He says, The early church was a charismatic community. Of that there can be no doubt. From the day of Pentecost onward, the book of Acts is a story of Holy Spirit breakthrough. Speaking in other languages. Prophesying. Healing. Casting out demons, angelic encounters, miraculous prison breaks, visions, dreams, evangelistic preaching, buildings shaking, the dead being supernaturally brought to life, and on occasion, the living being supernaturally brought to death. Boldness in the face of persecution, joy, and even one story of teleportation. Like, that is supernatural. That's outside of the ordinary. That's not something that's going to happen in Zoom class tomorrow morning or for our in-person students. This isn't going to happen in your 9 a.m. class tomorrow, right? This is out of the ordinary, supernatural. But the church has always been like this. And I know the question in your mind, the question in my mind is, well, how come we don't see this today? It's a great question. That, that's why I feel like we need, to, we need to emphasize this. The church has always been a supernatural community. So when we talk about prophecy, when we talk about these gifts happening, these aren't like out of the ordinary crazy things. These aren't like uncommon. This is what we should expect to see in the church. Scripture, and I'll just run you through a long list of verses. There's always an assumption in Scripture the Spirit is moving and working. All over the Bible, there's always a reference to God doing something. You can read Romans 12.6 where we see a list of gifts that God is giving the church. Ephesians 5.18, where Paul says to be filled with the Spirit. The Spirit just shows up in power from time to time, rocks your world. Galatians 3.5, we see that miracles are happening regularly within the church. 1 Thessalonians 19-21 through 21 tells us to not quench the Spirit, don't despise prophecies. This is just expected that this is going to happen when God's people get together. Stuff's going to happen. 1 Timothy 1.18, another encounter. James 5.14-15, and this is a great verse. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call on the elders of the church. Let them lay hands and anoint them with oil and pray for them, and God will heal them. Like, this is a normal occurrence within the early church. God is moving. God is working. So why don't we see this today? Why don't we see this today? 
So some people will, some people argue, and if you watched After the Fact on Saturday, you're already kind of ahead of the curve. Again, shameless plug for After the Fact on Instagram. Every Friday, Saturday-ish, we're dropping great post-service content, letting us go a little more deeper than we can do on a Wednesday night. But if you watched After the Fact, you, you'll, be, you'll have heard this term, cessationism, like don't freak out over the big word. It, it's the idea that the gifts of the Spirit ceased with the death of the last apostles. They stopped and they're not for today. And this is not an argument from the Bible or an argument from church history. It's an argument from experience. It's an argument that says, we don't see this stuff happen, and so it must not be real. And I don't think that's a great argument because all through the Bible, it's really clear this stuff is happening. And as we're going to see in a moment, all throughout church history, this stuff is happening. So what changed? Did God change or did we change? And I'd say the obvious answer to that is, well, we changed. God's unchanging. We lost our, we became spectators. We, we stopped being participants. And you can see this happen in church. We'll, we'll go through this. Justin Martyr in AD 160. I'm just going to give you some dates, give you some names. You may not recognize these guys, but these are pillars of the church, important men and women from God. Justin Martyr says the prophetical gifts remain with us even to the present time. So he's talking and writing after the apostle John has died. So like the idea that this stuff just stops when the apostles die, I, I don't think it's supported by church history because this guy's saying, no, this stuff remains with us to this day. And I want you to understand they've been transferred to us. There were many false prophets along with the holy prophets. And so now there are many false teachers among us of whom our Lord warned us to beware. So he's recognizing, hey, people can be crazy. People can be dangerous. But God is moving. God is working. Then Tertullian in 208, he's fighting with another guy named Marcion. And they're having this inner doctrinal inner church fight but but he says hey the spirit of god ha has been made manifest the secrets of the heart he's revealed hidden things through his prophets a and let marcion produce a psalm a vision or prayer only let it be by the spirit that is in a rapture whenever an interpretation of tongues has occurred to him let him show to me also any woman of boastful tongue in his community has ever prophesied from amongst those specially holy sisters of his now, all these signs, all these spiritual gifts, my mic died. Oh, just kidding, it didn't. Are forthcoming from my side without any difficulty. And they agree, too, with the rules and dispensations and the instructions of the Creator. So he's saying, hey, you think you're so good, you think you're so hot. I've got all these spiritual gifts happening on my side. If you think that you're right, show me that God's with you. And he's saying, God isn't with you. But this is 208. This is 200 years after the apostles have died. And this stuff's happening normally. Normally, we got origin later on. Again, and I won't read you this whole quote, but he says, traces of the gifts are still preserved among those who regulate their lives by the precepts of the gospel. He's saying these gifts are still happening. We're still seeing God move. We're still seeing God work. And this is 248. Like this is a long time later. I think he gives us an important note. They're preserved among those who regulate their lives by the precepts of the gospel says, you want to know who sees this stuff happen? You want to know who sees healings happen? You want to know who sees prophecy happen all the times? It's those men and women of God who have given their lives fully over to God. They have lives regulated by the precepts of the gospel. So, so when they decide how they're going to order their day, when they decide how they're going to focus their attention, they're, they're focusing on what would God have me do today? How would God work through my life today? How can I obey the teachings of Jesus? abiding in the presence and power of Jesus. And these are the people who see God move. And this will be traced throughout church history 
Because what you'll see happen shortly after this in the 300s, 400s, you'll see the church transform and the church stops being a participation-focused community, stops being something where people show up and they minister to one another, they love one another, they, they act like the early church acted, and it turns into a spectator sport. It turns into we watch a ceremony get performed, we watch someone walk the thing down the aisle, we watch someone drink from the cup and eat some bread, we watch this happen, and then we go home. And the moment that stuff happens, the moment churches stopped being participation-focused, the moment people stopped focusing on Jesus and just focusing on watching, that's when you saw the Spirit stop moving. It's not because God changed, it's because we stopped relating to Him the right way. We became more focused on just sitting and enjoying a service, watching the show, and we stopped participating. But as God's people have participated, as God's people have begun to embrace the work of ministry, and said it's not just for the pastor on the stage, but it's for me too, we've seen God move and work in incredible ways. Church has always been a supernatural community. This isn't something new. It's not like the church forgot about this and just now remembering it. But it's all throughout the church. The other really incredible thing we see is that this isn't just something for the elite super Christians. This isn't just something that... So like when Tertullian writes and when Tertullian says, hey, I, I saw these gifts happen. That's just what he's saying. I saw it happen. Listen, He's not saying, I did it. I healed someone. He's saying, I saw someone happen. Who? We don't know. We don't know their name. We don't know their story. They weren't this really incredibly important person that you're going to write a biography about. They were a common person just in the church. Ordinary men and women of God who give their lives over to him. And God works through them in powerful ways. So this isn't just for me. This is for you. This is something that God has for you to work in your life for the good of his church. This has always been the DNA of the church that is devoted fully to God and his word when we're open to all that God has for us, when we pursue Him with everything in us, we see Him move. So what do we make of this? Church has always been a supernatural community. So what do we make of this? Well, there's a personal word that God has for each of us. Let's look at 1 Corinthians 14, 1 through 5. We'll go to the book. Paul writes to the Corinthian church, Pursue love and earnestly desire. Say earnestly desire earnestly desire the spiritual gifts. Earnestly, right? We know this word. This is, I really want it. It's not just, yeah, that'd be nice, but it's like, I'm going after it. I'm pursuing it. Uh, I, I earnestly desire it. So I'm going to give my all to make sure I get this thing because I want it. It's not just like, kind of, but it's like, I want this thing. I earnestly desire it. Earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. For one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men, but to God. For no one who understands him, but he utters mysteries in the Spirit. On the other hand, the one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding and encouragement and consolation. The one who speaks in a tongue builds up himself, but the one who prophesies builds up the church. Now I want you all to speak in tongues, but even more, say even more, even more to prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues, unless someone interprets so that the church may be built up. Now, we're saving tongues for next week. We can't get all of this in one week. What I want to focus on is, earnestly desire these gifts, especially that you may prophesy. 
Paul's saying that this isn't just for elites. This is for you. This is something I want you to earnestly desire. This is what I want to lay before you tonight as we look at what this is, how this works. Earnestly desire this. This is something that God has for you and he wants you to want it. So you can write this down. God wants to talk to me. God wants to talk to me. God wants to talk to you. God doesn't only speak to me or your youth leaders, but God wants to talk to you. So prophecy, the idea here is a word from God. It's not just for the uber-gifted people. It's not just for the exceptional people. But more than any other gift, this is for you to desire, for you to have. It's for you to practice, for you to perfect God uses imperfect people. God doesn't just use the super Christians and the elite Christians. Even you with your mess of a life, even you with all of your flaws and failures, even you with like, I don't even really understand God fully, but I know I love him. I know I'm pursuing him. You don't have to have perfect theology for God to use you, right? This isn't for like, Hey, I've been to Bible college for four years. I've taken a class. I, I know all about prophecy. I know all the relevant scriptures. And so now I'm going to do this. This is for, no, I don't really know a lot, but I know I want to be used by God. And I know I want to love someone else. This is for you. God's not looking for these perfect people. Even people with bad intentions sometimes get used for this. And it's like we can look at people and we can get really skeptical. Because we'll see guys who just, it, it seems from, from every like, human measure it seems like they're just in it for the money they're just in it for the fame they're just in it for the notoriety they just like want to make a buck off of a poor person and god will use even them to speak really incredible things like i won't name drop here and, and at people but there are just there, there are men and women of god right now who god uses in tremendously powerful ways to heal to, to speak to move to prophesy and yet their lives are a mess and like, for, again, I don't know their heart. I can't judge them. But from everything I see, like, it's not lining up with the word of God in a lot of places. And yet, God uses them. Because it's not about you. This is just something we try to hammer in. Love isn't about me. Love isn't about you. These gifts are for love. So they're not for you to look great. They're not for you to build yourself up. But they're for the church. They're ultimately for God to get the glory. So God uses even messed up, broken people because it's about him. It's about his name being great. It's about him working. It's about him growing in fame. It's about him drawing people to himself. And every time we look at people, we say, man, how come God uses that person because their life is a mess? It just shows that we still believe in a merit system and not a grace system. That hurts, but it's true. We expect that I need to play the part and I need to be the perfect Christian before God will use me. And that's just not the story of the Bible. God uses imperfect, messed up people like us. So there's a personal word for you. God wants to talk to you. So what kind of word? So let's talk about what this isn't and what this is. So, so prophecy, here's what it's not. The era of thus saith the Lord is over. The, the, era, of, the era of I speak with the authority of, of Bible, that's done. The book's closed. Like You can't add anything to this. There's nothing God's going to tell you that, that's new in, in relation to this. So God isn't going to give you some new revelation of an angel gave me these golden tablets and I interpreted them and here's a brand new book to add on to this one. That, that is not what this is. So 
You don't prophesy like Jeremiah or Isaiah. You don't get to say, thus saith the Lord, thou shalt do this thing now and forevermore. Like, that's not what this is. That's not available to you. That's not what this gift is. You also, it's not projecting my grievances on others. So, so it's not like I look at that person who annoys me and I'm like, the Lord's going to destroy you if you don't get your life together. Like, that's not what this is. Right? It, it, the, the word said it. It's for the building, for the encouragement, for the consolation of the church. In verse, put three up there. 14.3. The one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding, their encouragement, their consolation. And so whatever that motivation is, whatever that, hey, God hates you and your life is a mess, that's not prophecy because it's not encouraging. It's not upbuilding. It's not consoling. It, it, it's not, I, I had this dream and you'll never, in this dream, like you came to me and you repented of every awful, evil thing you've ever done to me. So I don't know. It's just a dream. Just a dream. I can't say maybe, maybe God wants you to do that, right? That's, that's not what this is. This isn't for me to take out my vengeance and take out my grievances on other people. So it's also not just predicting the future. So like we hear prophecy and we think like end times, revelation, God coming back, mark of the beast. And more often than not, that's just, that's not what this really is. So there are kind of two kinds of prophecies, foretelling and foretelling. Foretelling is predicting the future. This happens a lot in the book. This happens a lot for guys like Isaiah, guys like Daniel. God gives them this vision and they just tell the future. And like, it's incredible. It's awesome. That's not really what the gift of prophecy is. The gift of prophecy is foretelling, saying what God says, speaking the word of God to someone. It is a personal word. It's God speaking to someone. So here's, here's my definition. This is the Spirit of God applying the Word of God to us through someone else. So this is what happens when the Spirit applies the Word to my life. It's, here's what the Lord might be speaking to you through me. Here's what the Lord might, and we do this humbly. We do this submissively. We do this cautiously. Because I'm not the Bible. I'm not God. I, I'm just attempting to speak for Him to you. And so I'm, I'm going to do this with all humility and all reverence. It's not about me being great. It's not about me having all the right words. It's about you being encouraged, you being built up, you being strengthened. So I want to apply God's word to your life in a powerful, personal way. Prophecy is what happens when the word gets personal. So we, we, we put this already, 1 Corinthians 14, 3. Prophecy is meant to encourage, meant to build up, meant to console. So it is, it's good. It's not this dangerous thing. It's a good thing that encourages us. It, it consoles us. It builds us up. It, it strengthens us. It's a powerful reminder that the God of the universe knows you intimately and personally. He knows every detail of your life. Prophetic gifts point to Jesus's incredible care for our lives and his concern for our lives. So right, we can read the Bible a lot of times and like, okay, cool. This is, this is good. I, I enjoy this. One of my favorite Books of the Bible is Matthew, and I love to read Matthew. I love to read the Sermon on the Mount. I, I read that all the time, Matthew 5 through 7. And hey, if you're looking for a Bible verse to read every day, Matthew 5 through 7. It takes about 10 minutes to read the whole thing. Powerful. Great teaching. I love it. I can read that, though, and it's like, okay, 
here's what Jesus says, and I can like think through like applying this to my life. I can read the book of Genesis and read all these stories, but at times it can get kind of impersonal, right? It, I'm reading a book in my basement alone. Like it, it can feel like God's kind of a million miles off. It's just me and, and this book. And what happens with prophecy is God reminds me, hey, no, I see you. I know you. I know your life. And, and this verse in this book means something to you. And there's something I want to say to you with this. There's something I want to do in your life with this. That as I go about my day, and, and I'm just serving Jesus, I'm doing my thing, but, but it can feel like, man, does God even see me? Does God even know what I'm going through today? Like, I read, I, I pray, but it feels like it's just, I'm, it's all going one way. And, and prophecy is when this one way can become a two way. And it's like, no, God talks right back to me and says, no, I, I see you. I know what you're going through. So there's this thing I'm just praying about and I'm anxious about. And it's on my heart. And I'm like, Lord, what are you doing? Can you help me? I, I can't figure this out. And I'm praying. I'm, I'm seeking God's word. And then someone can speak to me and, and give me this word of prophecy, this word of wisdom, knowing exactly what my situation is, giving me this incredible word from God to minister to me in that situation. And like, how awesome is that? That the God of the universe sees me and knows me. It's this powerful Powerful reminder. Powerful reminder. So how does this happen? How does this happen? First thing you can write down, pay attention. Pay attention. Pay attention. Slow down. Make space for God to speak. This is, I think, the biggest barrier to us hearing from God. This is the biggest barrier to us getting a word from God. It is we're so busy living life we're so busy filling our ears, filling our heads, filling our hearts with stuff that like we have no space for God to speak to us. So God speaks in these quiet, still moments, but I've always got YouTube going. I've always got a podcast in my ear. I've always got music bumping. I'm always watching a TikTok video. I've always got Twitter that I'm scrolling through. There's always all these things taking my attention, so I have no time left for God in my life or in my day. Because all my attention's focused on all these things and like Twitter's updating and Instagram's updating and the 538 live election results are updating and, and, and there's stuff going on on TikTok and I wanna watch this YouTube video explaining like how does the electoral college work and like there's all these things that are just bombarding me, asking for my attention. And so I'm like, man, I don't ever hear God speak to me. It's because you're not giving him a chance. Like, could you imagine trying to have a conversation with someone in a room where there's just so many different noises and things going on? It's me like, yeah, that's like talking to you. Yeah, because I'm hearing everything and it's like, it's hard. I gotta like drown everyone else out and just know we're talking now. I gotta pay attention to you. And it's the same way with God. Like, there's all these things going and we just, we don't hear it. We don't get it because we're so distracted. We're so focused on other things. God's always speaking. He's always working but everything in our life is vying for our attention. And this just gets harder and harder. The more technology, the more advertising, the more stuff that's out there. Uh, pay attention. The, the word pay, I think, is significant. It's going to cost you something to put your attention. This is just good. Like, not even related to prophecy. This is just good. What you pay attention to is going to cost you attention somewhere else. So, like, if I'm going to pay attention to God, I'm going to need to cut back on something else. So maybe, like, I just need to cut back on sleep. Maybe I just need to get up earlier in the morning, like create some time on my day, my schedule. Maybe it's like, hey, that hour that I spend on YouTube as I fall asleep, I need to like 
That, I need to cost that. I need to stop paying my attention there and I need to pay my attention elsewhere. It's going to cost you something. You've got to balance these things out. Always costs us something to, to pay attention. And, and my question is, is it worth it? What is it costing us to be connected? We had to do a whole series, the cost of connection on technology and stuff. What's it costing you to be connected to all these things? Is it costing you relationship with God? So pay attention. Pay attention. And, and then we ask ourselves this question. Who can I encourage? Who can I encourage? So we take five minutes, just seek the Lord. Lord, is there someone I can encourage today? Is there, is there someone I can speak to? Lord, is there something you want to say to someone in here today? Maybe it's just a face or a verse that pops in your head. But what if we all did this? What if like we just started, and I'm not saying we're going to, but what if we started just five minutes of like, God, is there someone in this room that I can encourage tonight? Imagine how incredible that would be if like we could all just like, hey, I feel like the Lord might be wanting to say this to you. Like, he's got this and he's in control. And like, I don't know what that means to you. And I'm not actually, I'm just, this is, but maybe, but maybe Amy's just, she's had this crappy day and it's like, man, I'm so stressed. I've got all this homework going on. Like, how encouraging is that? Like, just to hear a word from God of, hey, I've got this. I know what you're going through. How, how encouraging is it for, for God to just grab you and say, hey, I love you and I'm here for you and I'm not going to leave. And like, but when your day was like, man, I just feel so rejected and abandoned. Like, that's powerful. That's encouraging. Yeah, this takes boldness. Yeah, this takes faith. But imagine if we'd all live in this if we'd all actually do this and, and pretend like the Bible's serious for a minute and, and not just a bunch of thoughts and ideas, how encouraging and powerful would this be? Everyone in this room has, has a story. We all have something we're going through. We, we all have got life. We've all got baggage, problems, despair, brokenness. It's just so immense. And then on top of that, there's all this personal stuff, just normal human questions. Am I loved? Do I matter? Do, do I have a place in this world? Is God as disappointed in me as I am in me? Has he forgotten me? Does he see me? And how encouraging is it for God just to break through like the fourth wall of your life? And like, no, I do see you. I do know you. I do care about you. So I'll close just with giving you some personal examples. And hopefully this makes a little more sense. So I lived in Omaha for a few years. I was involved in a large church up there in their youth ministry department. I was a youth leader with the junior high ministry. Stuff was going great, clicking. I was loving it. The Lord was just doing some powerful, incredible things in my life. I was having a good time. Uh, and then, like, my school shut down and my life fell apart. And, like, it, within the span of, like, two weeks... One week, I'm like all plugged in, loving my church, involved. I've got a group of junior high, small group that I'm leading, like, like 10 sixth graders every week. We just get to hang out and talk about the Bible, talk about life. Like, this is awesome. I'm loving this. This is all I want to do with my life. And then I get a letter in the mail the next week. My school's shutting down, and there, there's no money, so I have to find a different way to live. So I have to leave Omaha, I have to leave my church. And this is just devastating for me. Because up to this point, I'm like, man, stuff's going great. And then just everything falls apart. And so a couple weeks later, I'm just, I'm struggling. Like, this is tough for me. Felt like my life was going in one direction. Everything was on track. Everything was set. And now everything's just falling apart. And so I'm visiting my old church, visiting my sixth grade small group. We're talking about prophecy that weekend, just by chance. And so they have the sixth graders, and I'm not going to make us do this, sixth graders. I know some of you guys are nervous, 
But they have the sixth graders sit down and get in a group and prophesy over each other. And like, God, what could you say to these people? And like, some of you guys are freaking out. I'm not going to necessarily make you all do that. But like, just to give you an idea, God's at play. God's at work. He's not at work in the old guys. He's at work in the the young people in here. Gosh, I sound so old, the young people. He, he's at work for you in your life. So we got the sixth grade small group. One of these kids, Drake, he writes this thing and he gives me this word. And it's just powerful. And like, he doesn't know what's going on in my head. Like, he, he doesn't know. For all he knows, like, hey, Adam couldn't be here last week. Okay, sucks. We'll see him next week. But he gives me this powerful word that specific details of what my situation is, what I'm going through, just encouraging, encouraging. Such a powerful moment. And, and I know in that moment, man, God does have this under control. God does know what he's doing with me and in me. And, and part of the result of that word was moving to Southern California and like going to Bible college and like being here. And that comes out of this just encouraging moment where I realize that God is in control and God's got my life in his hands. Uh, another powerful moment for me, 2011, I'm a freshman in high school. We're in Big Bear for a, a friend of the family's getting ordained. He's starting ministry up there, and so we're up there with him celebrating. We're in worship, uh, just stuff's going good. We're singing the song Hosanna by a hill song. Everything's going great. The pastor comes on stage in like middle worship and like, hey, I have a word for you. And I stand up and he just gives me this word. And, and the word is, the Lord is going to test you. And there's going to be a difficult season of testing coming, but you're going to get through it. You're going to make it out stronger on the other side. And like, in terms of like things that have sustained me through difficult seasons, like apart from the word of God and prayer, that has been right up there of like just holding on to this reminder that God knew my future. God knew it was going to come in my life. And I've been through some really difficult seasons and, and moments and spots and I've been able to hold on to that and know that God saw this before I was ever in the middle of it. God knows what's going on in my life. God is strengthening me. And I know that God is going to get me through this. I'm going to be stronger on the other side. How powerful is that? Yeah, yeah, it's kind of a scary word to hear, sure. And it was a little scary in the moment. But in retrospect, man, that has been the most encouraging word I've ever received. Because it has held me and kept me going through so many difficult seasons and moments. So, prophecy. We've kind of talked around it. We'll, we'll end with this. Step out. Step out. Step out. I, I want to encourage you, do this. Live this. Believe this. And this is scary because like, so two things that just pop up real quick. What, what, if I'm, what if I'm just talking to myself? What if like I think this is God talking to me and it's just me? And, and I admit, that it's kind of a scary question. Like, Look at me. So what? So what? You encourage someone and it was just you? Oh, well. You, you, you go, God, is there someone I can encourage in this room? And then you go encourage someone and it turns out, oh, that wasn't God. That was just you. Was that really the end of the world? That like, oh, Andrew's really encouraged. And turns out that like that word wasn't from God. That was just me encouraging him. Okay. That's incredible. That, that's still good. So, so what? So what if it's just you? It's not the end of the world. And, and then the second question, what if I'm wrong? What if I'm wrong and, and it's, it's all a mess and it's a problem? And, and, and this is where I'd say we, we fall back on love. And, and we remember that we are learning 
we're growing, and it's just like any other gift, right? When I start playing guitar, I'm not like this incredible guitar player that can play everything and knows every chord and can nail every line. Gosh, I'm still not there. And in the same way, like when I start trying to hear from God, when I start trying to encourage people with, with a word from the Lord, I'm not going to be perfect the first time. No one's expecting you to be perfect the first time. No one's expecting you to nail it. Gosh, no one's expecting you to nail it on the 20th time. But I'm asking that you'd be faithful, that you'd be open, that you'd step out and be willing to say, so what if I'm wrong? I want to be this person who's encouraging. And what if we were known as people who are always just encouraging, trying to build each other up, trying to, trying to help one another out, trying to lift one another up? Imagine if we're known as that. No one's going to get offended by that when we get things wrong every once in a while. Because our, hearts, our, our heart is, I want to encourage you, I want to love you, I want to help you. And so, let's all close our eyes. And I just want to push you a little bit. Like, I'm not going to make anyone get up and talk. I'm not going to stick a microphone in your face. But we're going to pray and we're going to close. And I just want to take a, take a moment and ask God, is there someone I can encourage? So I, I want us all to do this. Let's close our eyes, take a moment, and ask the Lord, is there someone I can encourage? Is there someone that you would use me to speak to? And now maybe a face or a name just flashed in your head. Maybe it was like it just evaded. It's like so obvious, this, this person. Maybe it's just like, maybe they're not even in the room. Maybe it's just some person pops in your head. Okay, now would you just ask the Lord, God, how can I encourage them? What can I say? And maybe that comes up as, as a verse. Maybe that comes up as a phrase, an encouraging message. Maybe it comes up as like a picture or an image. It's just like, what the heck is that? All right. Now look up at me. Look up at me. Here's the challenging part. Find this person soon. Maybe use technology for this. Like you have phones. You, you have FaceTime, all this stuff. Try to get face-to-face -face with this person and like tell them, hey, I'm just, I'm trying to be a more encouraging person. I'm trying to like have God speak through me. And I was praying and like your, your name popped in my head. And like, I feel like the Lord might want me to encourage you with this. Is, is this from God or is this just me? Like, I, I don't know, but be encouraged. Share that with that person. A little scary, right? A little, a little challenging, but, but this is, this is what it looks like to be the people of God. And, and how many people are going to be encouraged because you're willing to step out and you're willing to, to just try this, maybe look foolish, maybe look silly, but imagine the upside that God would use you to speak to someone in a powerful way. I'll pray, get us out of here, and go do it and have fun. Let's go play. Jesus, thank you for your word. Thank you for the ways that it challenges us and encourages us. Lord, there are just so many things that you have for us. Lord, I pray we'd be open to your spirit. We'd be open to you speaking through us, working through us. We'd be open to your spirit to minister to us. Lord, would you give us boldness? 
Would you give us courage to, to speak, to be these encouraging people? Lord, Lord, would you help us to be willing to encourage, be willing to step out, be willing to, to do what you've done? Lord, would you give us humility that we'd recognize that we do this with, uh, with caution, recognizing your spirit, recognizing your power? Would you encourage our hearts through your word? We love you. We thank you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Love you guys. And uh, go find someone and talk to them. Uh, Jesus, Jesus, you are, you are better, better than, anything than anything in this world. In this world. I'm dismissed it. Have a good night, guys.